Welcome to Spark, a mother-daughter journey. Okay. Hi, guys. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Flair Abbott. Hello, everybody. Good to be back. (laughs) So good to have you with us. Thank you so much. Again, for round two. And this is a four-part mini-series that we decided to do on relationships because relationships are so important for our health and well-being, and they're so complicated. Just a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that they're complicated for every age, too. So it right. doesn't just, like, uncomplicate itself yes. with time, which I think is a misconception that I definitely had. Just going into every stage of my life, I thought that as I grew older, it'd become more clear and people would be more skillful, but it's not totally the case. So that's why I think that this four-part series, if you include the introduction, is really important because it kind of just debunks relationships a little bit, but we also dive deep into like each fundamental aspect, which is really important. So we have a deeper understanding of what it even takes to be in a functional relationship, how to attract the person you want, and also how to keep that functional relationship going because it takes effort and it's ultimately a choice, I think, at the end of the day. And this is the most important choice that we will make. And a lot of people don't really make the choice. They just slide into relationship because it's convenient or out of fear of being alone. Yeah. And before you know it, they're in a relationship that isn't serving them or at worst, maybe abusive or harming their, um, their well-being in some way. So yeah, it's just a really important conversation and we are so honored and delighted to have uh, the one and only Blair Abbas with us again, who is an educator of 32 years, my husband, Blair's father, and... Hey, uh, Blair's father, Sophia's father. Oh, (laughs) Sophia's father. (laughs) And counseling therapist of 30 plus years, correct? Well, yes. And it's interesting you'd say Blair's father. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Because one of the things I teach is that we have to become the father and mother of ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the number one thing that we'll ever deal with in life is relationship. Right. Right. Unless we live on an island with no one. Yeah. We have to learn how to navigate relationships. And that's so interesting that the three of us are here because... I think you're hinting at that our deepest woundedness can come from our parents. And so that process of reparenting is so essential and so liberating. I've done it. Exactly. And I know you have. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Sophia will have to do that. I don't think so. (laughs) Quite honestly, I don't think I'll have to because you guys have done a really good job of being very present to me. And also we're really communicative. Um, And so when things, when issues do arise, like, we're really quick to jump in and figure out why they arised and yes, practice that repair aspect. I'm really excited for this first episode yes. personally because it's kind of where I am in my life right now. The whole idea of law of attraction and bringing, I say ideal in like quotation marks yes. because I don't know if there's ever like an ideal person and yes. it kind of insinuates that there's a perfect person out there for you. And I don't totally believe in perfection in any state. So 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's finding someone who's compatible and then obviously they're going to have their own shadow work they have to do, their own issues. And then it's being open and okay to work through those difficult aspects together. Yeah, I really love that. And I, I love the clarity at the beginning of this conversation that it's not about seeking the ideal or the perfect partner. Right. Um, and I think our culture is, is quite harmful in that sense that, you know, stating that there is a soulmate for everyone or a twin flame is another phrase for it. And that your responsibility or your goal is to try and find that one person yeah. out of 8 billion, it's, um, it's unreasonable right? and uh, can, can definitely foster despair. So I, I love that distinction or kind of that, that focus in your mind of compatibility, which is so amazing. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think, Dad? I think that... If we do the work, Mm -hmm. which we have to do, if we provide ourselves with the tools to help navigate in relationship, because there is, there's almost, we almost need a manual. Yes. How to be in relationship. And there are manuals out there, although not a lot of people are teaching about them. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, there is a, there is a soul, there is a connection and I also believe that despite all that, how do I communicate properly? How do I listen properly? And how do I watch out for what you're talking about today, the yeah. ideal relationship, yeah. which is what my mind has created yes. that the ideal person looks like, yes. talks like, acts like. Yes. And makes quote unquote makes us feel a certain way. Yeah. Exactly. I think we can get caught up in that instead of healing our own trauma wounds. What's really neat is that you can find that person that looks that way, talks yeah. that way. Yes. And then you enter the relationship and, and then you have that that high, that that infatuated love mm-hmm. part, right? The first part of love. And then you see this person, oh, my God, I found my soulmate. Yeah. But then life offers you challenges and you have to deal with them. Yes. And that's when the skills come in. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so much there. What I heard you say at the beginning is say you do believe in a soul connection. And I believe that we have that soul connection. And so instead of an either or. Yeah. Maybe that soul connection is the compatibility. And I believe that you can have that with with more than one person. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not selective to one singular person that will only be your yeah your person for your, the entirety of your life. I, I think that you can have multiple soulmates. Ultimately, you have to choose someone and then do the work with them and, you know, ultimately have a mutual agreement right. that you will work yeah. on the relationship so long as the relationship shall last. Yeah. So I just want to dive deep into what you guys have done to attract the person that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with, because you both did a lot of work on this before finding each other. And I want to just talk about that because 
mom, you had like, you created lists. You also kind of had an ideology in a sense of what dad would be. And that wasn't totally who he was, which is also interesting. I want to talk about that. And you talk a lot about the fact that you took some time to figure yourself out first, which I think is really important when it comes into play of the law of attraction, because sometimes we can attract what is unhealthy because we're still playing out our unhealthy patterns. Mm-hmm. So how do we make sure we, we don't do that is my question as well for you guys. So that's kind of where I want to go with this episode, if you guys are okay with that. That sounds great. And then how do you change what's in your mind, correct? But what is that imago? What What is that image that you have up inside of your brain? So for me, when I was younger... Being Roman Catholic, all of the angels were blondes with blue eyes. Right. That's interesting. And when I was younger, I also got sick. And the nurse that was a savior to me at the age of five was blonde with blue eyes. Mm-hmm. What was so, her name again? Oh, I can't remember her name. Um, but the, the point is, is that I had to let go mm. Of this image that was in my head that said the blondes, the blue eyes. Were your ideal person. Were the ideal image. Oh my gosh, the conditioning. It was a conditioning that I had to release. Yeah. And Sophia talks about me being on my own. And I was on my own for eight years Mm -hmm. before I met you. And in that time of those eight years, and this is important too, you have to become comfortable with yourself, yes. right? You have to, you have to have a relationship with yourself, and you have to not need to be in that relationship because desperation can bring you into relationships that are that can be potentially unhealthy. And you had kind of an ideology, mom, of what your ideal person was going to be. Um, do you want to share with us what that was? Yeah, I was living in Vancouver and had suffered a lot. Mm-hmm. In, you know, my teens and 20s with mental health struggles and my own crises. And uh, just Vancouver at the time was kind of the the place of awakening consciousness. Mm. So it was just exactly where I needed to be. And before The Secret was ever published and... You know, before collages were cool, I learned about the law of attraction and started playing with it in my life. And yeah, I would date and date and wait for that feeling of, I've arrived, I feel safe. Right. And I had a really strong sense of what I didn't want. Right. You know, I had a few mentors in my life that you know, how some mentors show you how you do want to live and others show you how you don't. Yeah. (laughs) And I had a few of those in my life. So I had a pretty strong sense of what I didn't want to spend the rest of my life with and what I needed. And I didn't have the language that I have now for it, but I had the feeling. Mm -hmm. And so I kept... I just kept exploring and waiting for that feeling and was a bit ruthless. I didn't let myself settle. Yeah. And uh, the minute I met Blair, I felt it. And the minute you met me, you felt it. Mm -hmm. And three weeks later, we were engaged. 
and married less than a year later. And we were also older. Right. So I think that helps. You're at different, you're at a more mature stage in your life. And I just want to say that, you know, I, I was not forced yeah. into the relationship. And sometimes for economic reasons or social reasons, people do partner early right. or partner because of certain circumstances. So I don't want to speak in a critical way, but right. I had the privilege of, of waiting. Mm-hmm. And the wisdom, yeah, I think, the wisdom. I knew that it was a really big decision, that it would influence my life for the rest of my life and future generations. So I chose to be very careful about it. But perhaps now would be a good time for me to read about one of my teachers, Lynn McTaggart. And she has compiled a ton of research and data on the law of attraction. Right. So here's a short thought from her. We need to realize that we are observers and creators. And in every moment that we are observing our world, we're constantly remaking it at every instant. And that we have to understand that every last thought we have, every judgment we hold is having an effect, whether it's conscious or not. So, of course, the most important thing of all is to be aware of what we are thinking and to realize it has an effect on the world around us. So I share that at this point because I became aware of that. Right. And I became aware that I was living from a place of, oh, I don't want that. Huh, interesting. Don't want that. Don't want that. And so that was kind of my metric of what I don't want. And it was really important for me to start making that list. And I filled an entire journal full mm. of qualities that I wanted in my person. Yeah. And uh, and I had that journal with me when I met Blair and you ticked every box. I didn't include height. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny. five foot five. I'm five foot nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that really helped with, with our, our connection and uh, our compatibility because we were both, you had spent eight years. I had spent this time reflecting on what I thought I needed. We don't always know. Yeah. Uh, but what I thought I needed. And a lot of that compatibility for me lived in the zone of, again, I didn't have the language, but it was around entrepreneurship. Right. And yeah. risk. Yeah. I knew that for me to live out my best life, I needed to be able to take business risks. Right. Um, you know, I'm at my happiest when I'm creating yeah. something out of nothing. Yeah. And Blair and I have been able to create this whole yoga and schools movement because we are compatible in that sense. And I would say I'm more idealistic and dreamy and you're more reasonable and <laughs> and grounded. And so that makes a really fitting team. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's that's really important. And I'd like to circle back to what when you talked about the ideal person and how you made a list. So for people that are, mm-hmm. that are listening, they can make a list. Yeah. And then after they made the list, and if I put down blonde-haired, blue-eyed, I could see 
Well, that's limiting yeah. who I'm going to engage in a relationship exactly. with. Exactly. So therefore, I'd have to reflect on that list and see, does it come from a healthy place or is it coming from a childhood wound? Yes. Right. And if it's coming from a childhood wound, then perhaps what I would do is replace blonde hair, blue eyed with simply someone that is warm and loving. So more intrinsic qualities than Physical, and physical traits. features. So I think we have to be really, really careful. Thanks and for when that you addition. Said yeah. The the height. You you forgot to to check off the height, which was great, because then you wouldn't have included me. Yes. And I had excluded you. Yes. A few <gasps> months before I met you. That's right. Because a good friend of mine, Peter Davison, uh, I was at his office one day, and he had this picture of this girl. Yeah. And I saw it, and I said... It was my meditation CD. You meditate, And I said, who's that? And he said, that's Lisa's sister. And my question was, well, how tall is she? Mm-hmm. And he said, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, and being 5'5", five, five, I said, well, too tall for me. And I didn't give it another thought. Right. I just let it go. And to my surprise, I was to meet you a couple of months later. When I didn't even see your height. Right. Right? It was just the soul connection. And I it actually... It was the soul connection first. Because when I was asked later what you looked like, I couldn't even describe your features. I said, I don't know what she looks like. All I know is that I'm going to marry that woman. Wow. And that was probably... 12 hours after I met you. See, I think the whole idea of transitioning from the physical features to more intrinsic features and qualities, like you said, is so incredibly important. And it's really difficult, especially for teens to wrap their heads around because beauty is so temporary and it just doesn't last. And I think what's really interesting for me, at least, is that I've done this list. So I created my own. I actually did it like a couple, like a week ago, two weeks ago. So it's pretty recent. I like but, that list. <laughs> do you have it? I don't have it with me. I, I could go up and get it. But I do remember what I put on it. And a lot of the things I started writing was a lot about like emotional intelligence and social abilities and their ability to think. So I would love someone in my life who can meet my big thinking abilities or my deep thinking abilities. Yes. Someone who's really in touch with their emotions, someone who is comfortable speaking about their emotions. These are all things that for me is going to make a lasting relationship. If someone is attractive, that's amazing. I mean, good for you, but like, it's not going to push me to want to spend quality time with you. That's how I see it. So it reminds me of a therapy session I once had, and uh, I was just really entranced by this one person. And I went to my therapist, and um, you know, I was just like, I'm just so attracted to them. And he said, Jenny, big f-ing deal. Yeah. <laughs> he was Buddhist. And that really struck me because yeah. it put that. Physical sexual attraction in perspective. Right. All of that's going to change. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to become less important. Yeah. It is important. And no, the thing it is, is important. It is important. Like the way that I, I still have like, um, 
you have to be attractive to me. Yeah. And I don't write like physical attributes or anything like that because personally, I feel like what my perception of attractive is, is like constantly evolving and changing. And so like, I can't write on paper what attractive means for me because I feel like personality comes into play a lot. If I find your personality attractive, then you're almost immediately attractive to me. Yes. Well, you've got a pretty awesome working list. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I like my list. And I think it's really funny because it's a, it's also the reason why I'm not in a relationship right yes. now because I am really clear on what I want and I don't have a need to engage in a relationship that I know is not going to be like it's not going to fulfill me because that person isn't necessarily who I want to align with like I'm I recognize that being in a relationship would be a lovely thing and I have a lot of friends who are in relationship and are very, very happy. And of course I want to experience that happiness, but I also don't want to put aside really important aspects that I want in a person just to be in a relationship. I also think that it's difficult because as we talk about physical attributes, that is so highly valued, especially at my age that in our beauty obsessed culture, that I would need to find someone who doesn't put that on a pedestal because I personally struggle with self-worth um externally presented and like I don't want that to be the person's main focus because it's one of my deepest insecurities so it's like something that I would I would want to be valued for more than just that I think it's everyone's deepest insecurity because the physical body is imperfect by nature yeah according to our Western standards and the physical body is constantly changing. Right. So to, to meet that standard requires a tremendous amount of control and we don't have control. Yeah. Hence the insecurity. Yeah. So I just really, yeah, I bow to you. Anything else you want to add in terms of the law of attraction? I think it really ties into manifestation as well. So um, personally, like journaling about it is helpful too. How, what aspect of your life you are in now would fit with someone else, I think is is really important. And also, if you don't know who to attract, journaling and working through your feelings on paper is, I think, a really awesome option as well. Beautiful, Sophia. And what I hear you saying over and over is just being mindful. Yeah, like that's Pay attention to where you're resting your attention. Yeah. Because... Our mind is built to, to, to drop into autopilot. Yeah. And like I said, you know, to think about what we don't want her to focus on these superficial standards that uh, society has set for us. You know, we're all kind of swimming in this ocean of dysfunction right. because our society is so unwell. Yeah. And so it takes intention. Yeah. Pull yourself out of that and really become aware of what you think you need and know that that may change. And that's okay. surely will change. It's okay if it changes, yeah. And also I want to just like solidify that I don't want to ever come across like I have everything figured out because I definitely don't. And I also am learning a lot through just being in life right now uh, as a teenager, so... Yeah, I think relationships is definitely a topic I have a lot to learn on, and 
that's why I really value mom and dad because they're good examples and they hold space for me constantly figuring stuff out. And sometimes it's not in the most skillful manners, but that's okay. They're okay with that. Um, like <laughs> me too. And like me too. Yeah. And I think that the other day someone said, I know someone said this, that you guys are coming across too perfect. Yeah. And we're never us. trying to come across perfect. I think I've apologized two or three times this week alone oh. for my behavior. Yeah. Right? It Where gets messy in here. It yeah. does get messy. Yes. You know, like we we are a loving group. Like I love being with you guys. Yeah. It's totally real. Yeah. And we mess up. Yes. Right? And then we just go forward. And, yes. we, and we love each other even more after we finish messing up. Which is why I married you because I knew... I felt your dedication and I knew I was imperfect. Yeah. And and I just felt safe. Yeah. That, and yeah. It's okay for people out there that that do mess up. Yeah. Right? It's the recovery that's important. Which we that, will be talking about. We'll be talking about in a few episodes. So, so. Our, yeah, our next one is uh we're gonna be talking about the qualities of a functional relationship. So this is just gonna encompass like red flags, which I'm so excited to talk about because I think red flags is really subjective, but it's also like such a fun topic because red flags for me are different for you guys, obviously, considering age. And then um, just like communication and like really what like definition, what is a functional relationship? What is a dysfunctional relationship, which is also subjective. So that's the next episode. Make sure to tune in for it. I'm really excited to just dive even deeper into all of this with you too. It's special. Thank you so much, everyone. Oh, and we'd love to hear what you're attracting in your life, so yeah, let do us let know. us know. Alrighty, everyone. See you in the next episode. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>